Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fantasy Front Office. If you're joining us for the first time, here we discuss a mixture of real world and fantasy baseball due to their intertwined natures. Thank you for joining us, so let's play ball. Going around the horn today, we've got Keith, Phil, and Todd. Thank you all for joining us, and I, Jeremy, will be your host this evening. Phil brought an interesting topic to the table. This week, we'll get things started. Impact prospects for your fantasy teams. Hey, how are we doing today, guys? A couple of prospects that uh, caught my eye for this year. The main guy of this list, obviously, is Jolan Mankata. He's a guy that he tore up the minor leagues. He's a highly touted prospect that Boston signed for way too much, and then uh, they ended up trading him away in the past year what does everyone else think about him you have to love he's a true five tool talent steals a ton of bases has some pop he could develop into a superstar no doubt the speed is actually what kind of appeals to me he's a he's kind of a bigger guy 6'2 205 the power speed combo that he displayed in the minors is kind of what makes him most attractive in fantasy leagues so given the right opportunities you know he's gonna put up monster numbers so Probably my top stash, uh, probably everybody's top stash this year if he gets a good opportunity. Yeah, to, to reference Keith's power-speed combo, he hit 15 home runs last year and stole 45 bases. That's extremely valuable, obviously, in fantasy baseball right now. The next guy was going to be Lewis Brenson. He's a top prospect in Milwaukee Brewers outfield. Been a really young guy most of the stops that he's been at. Last year, he was a few years younger than everybody around him, and he still managed to hit 15 home runs and steal uh, 17 bases. What do you guys think about him? What I like about Brinson is is a few things, but also I like his opportunity. Uh, Milwaukee is a, a great place to hit there in Miller Park. It seems like they produce, you know, awesome hitters uh, all the time. One of the things that, that I like is if given the right opportunity, I think he could put up pretty big numbers. Um, you got Broxton, Santana, and Braun there in the outfield. They've all been kind of off to a rough start this season. You got Broxton, who's one for 11 so far and took that, uh, that nasty pitch off his face about two or three games ago. Um, so it looks like he's recovered since then, but still struggling at the plate. I mean, it's only 11 at bats, but I mean, Broxton unproven. Domingo Santana is unproven. Um, he's two for 18 to start the season with the home run. And then you got Braun, who's already been out for, uh, for back stiffness in Saturday's game. So if you look at that outfield, any one of those three guys could could struggle either physically or just producing numbers and, and give him an opportunity at the plate. So if, if he's given an opportunity, you know, he's actually kind of my sleeper NL Rookie of the Year pick. It just comes down to how many at-bats he gets. Yeah, that ballpark is amazing. So just him getting in the lineup, like you said, that would be pretty awesome. Anybody else have thoughts? A stat I found on Brinson, his last 23 games at the AAA level last year, he hit 382. Yeah, so. he, he, he crushed it when he got up to the, but it was the Pacific Coast League. So those numbers yeah, are a little true. inflated. So don't buy too far into that because for most of his double a year or for his whole double a year he hit 237 so he did jump it up a notch but at the same time temper your expectations a little bit more than that uh 382 yeah. average another guy that's actually pretty similar uh is uh bradley zimmer he's the outfielder for the cleveland indians and he should be up pretty soon too uh, what do you guys think about him the the difference i guess that i see in brinson and zimmer is zimmer's a little bit older he's got probably more an advanced approach at the plate definitely one that's 
going to take his walks. But when you're talking about power speed, he had a little bit of a rough power season last year. But in the fall league, he, he posted good numbers, 935 OPS, and stole eight bases in just 22 games. So the speed was definitely on display. And I think the Indians were pretty encouraged by just his power output in one of those you know developmental leagues. They gave him a nice long look in spring. Um, he had probably, I think, the, the most at-bats in spring of all the outfielders, which makes sense. But it's good to see them giving him a nice long look against you know different competition. So um, I'm encouraged by what Zimmer is going to do and, and a little bummed that uh, that I don't own him in more uh, leagues. He has also started off this year batting uh, 353 for his first four games. I know it's not very much, but I mean, like you said, the extended springtime that he had with the major league club and then rolling that into the AAA season right now, that's a nice way to look at it. Last season, he did have a, uh, he played through a hairline fracture in his foot during his second half that kind of slowed down his stats. So seeing the uh, strong fall, fall league and spring training showing from Bradley Zimmer, that's really encouraging. Yeah, I think and he's probably one of the closer guys as far as kind of knocking on the door. They got two guys in the outfield there um, in Cleveland that aren't going to, you know, put up amazing numbers. I know you got Tyler Naquin um, and, and a couple other guys, but it comes down to him getting the opportunities. He's 24 years old. He's ready. He's kind of proven everything that he needs to in the minor leagues at this point. Like you were saying, Todd, once he gets past the health, you know, proving that he's healthy, given the opportunity and, and uh, seeing what he can do with it. Uh, what I like about him as far as his approach, um, I talked about before, he's going to have a good on base. He's got elite outfield speed. He's going to, you know, be a good defender. So he's going to stick in the lineup for those two reasons. Even when he's struggling, swing and miss, um, he's going to get on bases, steal bases. He's going to be able to, to make some good plays in the outfield. So he's going to stick in that lineup like other prospects that may come up, um, swing and miss and, and not be able to be a complete player. So he's somebody that once he comes up, I, I think he's going to stick pretty well. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned his swing, swing and miss. I was actually just going to mention that. He did strike out 171 times in 468 at-bats last year. So that is definitely something to keep an eye on. But also, he's kind of almost like Yohan Mancata last year. Although he wasn't younger, he was actually almost on par with uh, the players around him. He had the 15 home runs and 38 stolen bases last year in 130 games. So, again, that's something that you're really going to want to covet when he does come up. And then the next guy on the list was Hunter Renfro, top prospect in the— In the Padres organization, out in the outfield, right? Yeah, absolutely, the Padres organization. He's he's a guy that last year had a great year. Again, we were talking about the Pacific Coast League. He was somebody that hit, let's see, was uh, 30 home runs and 105 RBIs last year with a 306 batting average and a 557 slug. Everywhere else he's had pretty good numbers, but they weren't that great. So kind of temper your expectations because that was uh, a lot to do with the Pacific Coast League as well. What's everybody else think? He just went deep literally tonight. So nice. that's two on the season for him. He's batting just over 250. So keep an eye on him. He's got a stolen base to boot also. So keep that in mind. Not yeah, not necessarily a, a speed guy, uh, but he can definitely, he's got the power to, to put a ton of home runs and he's going to be given a lot of it bats there in that San Diego outfield. So um, he was the the PCL player of the year last year. I mean, th- those numbers that you mentioned are huge. I think Jock Peterson was uh, was a PCL player of the year a couple of years ago, put up pretty similar numbers with power speed. And, you know, I, I look for him to probably have a pretty good season this year, too. One thing to keep in mind with Hunter Renfro is that he only struck out 115 times. I, I say only because of today's landscape, like we talked about in the past. But he definitely doesn't take a walk very often. He only <laughs> he only walked 22 times in 133 games. So yeah, he's, he's aggressive, but he gets in contact of it. So the next guy is going to be Franklin Barreto. 
and he's a shortstop prospect for the Oakland A's. He's a guy that I absolutely am in love with. I didn't really like him at first whenever he was a younger prospect. He seemed to put more a couple of things together in the offseason and kind of rolled that into the spring training and then uh, has taken that over into the beginning of the year. Again, four games, but he's batting uh, 471, 550 on base uh, with a 941 slugging percentage, and he has two home runs and a triple already for the year. He also plays uh, elite defense at shortstop, so I think that he'll probably stay at shortstop and they'll end up moving Marcus Simeon to second base at some point earlier in the year just because Simeon is absolutely terrible at shortstop. <laughs> Anybody else have any thoughts on him? Well, I have a quick question. You probably have the most knowledge of him of the group. Being one of the younger players on this list, what do you think is a realistic expectations as far as at-bats this season? Do you think he's a, a mid-season call-up? Do you think there's an opportunity for him hit his way onto the major league club what oh, yeah, do you absolutely. see as far as the bats absolutely i think he's somebody that he could probably come up sometime early june and then probably get 300 350 at bats depending on how often they want to play him but once he comes up i, I really do think that he's just going to stick in the lineup because his defense is legit um, it's not something that anybody's going to want to sit you know marcus simeon on shortstop for instead just to make your point he's 21 years old right now and in the Pacific Coast League and he's five and almost five and a half years younger than the average guy so when he comes up to the majors at some point this year most likely uh, he'll probably be about six or seven years younger than the average guy that's really good from a development now how good with the glove are we talking are we talking like Nick Ahmed good with the glove or Story VR Segura Russell like what's the shortstop comparison more uh Andrelton Simmons like are we talking yeah, like top I mean, five we're not we're not talking Angelton Simmons okay there's no one he is obviously number one overall for a reason uh but I mean he could easily be a top 10 shortstop defensively I could see that uh right off the bat pretty much so I don't think that they have any interest in moving him away from that position so long-term dynasty leagues things like that I think he has some pretty good upside currently ranked in the mid-20s and you know one website has him in the mid-30s as far as overall prospect and then so the next guy actually uh, pitched today Tyler Glass now he did not do very well the one thing about him that everybody that knows anything about him was going to bring up immediately is his walk rate and in the minors for five years he averaged 4.4 walks per nine innings which if you don't really know that's not great at all but on the bright side, in the same time frame, he averaged 11.6 strikeouts per nine, which allowed him to keep his whip around one. Anybody have thoughts on him? For me, Tyler Glass knows at the point in his development where there's not much more he can prove at the AAA level. Uh, 22 starts last year in AAA, 193 ERA. The 11 plus K per nine. The only issue with him is throwing strikes, and I think for him to develop, it's going to come at the major league level, but I think he's going to take his lumps early. I think that it's going to take a while for him to get the command under control. It's He's very, very far in that part of his game. That's a major struggle, but there's just not much more that he can do at the AAA level. He has the curveball and the fastball to just throw past hitters at the minor league level, so it's kind of your, for a fantasy purpose, he's very difficult to own, unless you're in a dynasty league. But Yeah, he's one that you almost have to pair him up with low ERA, low whip guys to kind of offset 
what he's going to throw at you for the first couple yeah. seasons. You're going to have to sit through yeah. probably a good two seasons of mid to upper four ERA on him just just to get his strikeouts. Exactly. And that's what I was just going to say. A guy that reminds me of a lot, Carlos Rodon, who's currently injured, but came up maybe a little bit too early, uh, walked a lot of guys, uh, struggled with command, got electric stuff. The thing about Glass now is is that he's so tall. Uh, a lot of pitchers that are very tall, for whatever reason, uh, have trouble figuring out their command, uh, getting their mechanics to sync up pitch by pitch. Uh, once, once they get it figured out though, it might take a few extra years, but once they do, they, they start dominating generally. So keep an eye on this kid. The, the one thing that I'll point out, I, I'm, I'm looking actually, uh, at some of the pit, pitch effects data right now. He's got two pitches. I mean, he throws his four seam and his change up and, and that's pretty much it from what I can see. And those, those pitches are both, you know, good swing and miss pitches, but he's got, I mean, he's got the change that he throws as well, but it's, he's, he's going to have to come up with another pitch that he throws more consistently. His changeup is like, I mean, less than 5% of the time. It's just, he doesn't throw that pitch at all. He's throwing his fastball 58% of the time and that curveball 41% of the time. So he's just, he doesn't have a, a third pitch to rely on. So you're either sitting curveball or sitting fastball. And even with those two pitches that are pretty elite pitches, I mean, major league batters are just going to figure that out. Like uh, even, you know, you guys could sit there and, and guess fastball <laughs> or sit there and guess curveball. He's got to either develop that change up or, or get a cutter that's going to move a different direction. Two seam cutter, something like that. Or maybe he yep. might end up in the pen because of it, because a lot of times pitchers end up there. I agree with that 100 percent. The last prospect that we wanted to talk about today was Brent Honeywell. And he's got a lot of notoriety because he throws the only known screwball. <laughs> baseball right now well minor league major league baseball (laughs) right now and he dominates with it it's a plus plus pitch kid is just unreal ends up uh let me see his strikeouts per nine is 9.4 his walks per nine is more in line with what you would want a kid to be his age 1.9 so that gives him a strikeout the walk of 5.0 which is elite for his entire minor league career anybody else have thoughts right. on him well this weekend he had a big game coming out what yeah. 12 k's yeah. 12 k's and in six innings um and he only faced 23 batters total so he definitely just dominated that game had a 0.06 whip yeah i just put a period on that because i i don't have anything else to say i think that's a little bit unfair picking on those guys in the minor leagues with with a pitch that's dominant like clearly he's got an elite pitch but i don't see how he's going to push his way onto the major league club he threw 115 innings last year um he's probably on a an innings in his cap of like what 140 would you guys say what what do you think he's going to throw this year yeah probably around 140 150 yeah usually they do around about that much uh, well, so, no, he did 115 last year. I could see, yeah, maybe 160 pushing it, but probably because he threw 130 yeah. in, in 15, so it's not something new to him to throw that much. So 160 will probably be the cap. So yeah, if he throws 160, yeah. maybe look for him to, to make the jump up to like 185 or even 190 the next season. But I just think that I don't see the Rays pushing either him or DeLeon into the rotation and, and kind of forcing the hand too much. I mean, unless they, they trade Archer or do something like that. But I, I don't see the making more than 15 starts this year, Max. Honestly, I think Honeywell is probably more along the lines of a September call-up, just to be truthful. Uh, I just saw his 12 strikeout game, and I wanted to at least get that in there because he does have that awesome, uh, <laughs> awesome screwball. Yeah. So kind of fun to talk about anyways. All right, that'll move us on to our next topic. 
We're gonna play a little bit of Hold'em or Fold'em. All right, Todd, throw us a name. Guys, let us know if you're gonna Hold'em or Fold'em. The first two names that I picked are teammates from Texas Rangers, but we'll start with Nomar Mazzara. He's hitting 417 with two homers and nine RBIs and was the AL Player of the Week. So would you Hold'em or Fold'em? So as far as Hold'em or Fold'em, let's get some criteria here. Are we saying, do we buy what they're what they're doing? Is that what we're... Yeah, I would say if you're gonna Hold'em, I would say holding them is more dynasty you're gonna keep on hold on to them or if you're folding you might be looking to get rid of them sell high on them yeah i guess all right well i'll take i'll take mazara i think i'm definitely gonna hold on to him i was surprised and it's obviously easy to say that now after he has a monster first week but i was surprised at the gap between where mazara was getting drafted this year and where a guy like Trey Turner was getting drafted. Mazar had twice as many at-bats last year. We saw him necessarily kind of fail in the big leagues, if you want to call it that, or not meet expectations. But uh, they both were probably the, the same prospect status coming into to the season. And we're drafting Turner in the 12th, 13th, 14th spot. And Mazar was going like in the 180s. So it's not surprising to me that he's had a monster first week. I'm definitely going to hold on to him. He's obviously not going to keep up with his pace, but I'm definitely uh, you know, buying into what he's doing. I would try to sell high on him right now just because he did have a uh, hot week and also because he has at least last year, shown that he can't really hit lefties very well. He ended up 19 of his 20 home runs were against righties, and he batted 234 against lefties with a 277 on base percentage and a 270 slug. So he didn't really do too much damage against lefties, only had two extra base hits and uh, 111 at bats. So I think I would try to sell high on him and then get something a little bit better. All right, next guy. The second player, his teammate from the Texas Rangers, Rognit Adore. He's hitting 318, three homers, six RBIs, and fresh off of a brand new contract and two new horses. <laughs> would you hold him <laughs> or fold him? The horses awesome. or Odor? Uh, well, you're you're I, definitely I, holding the horses. He is one of those guys he's like a doesn't walk guy like he's one of the most aggressive hitters in baseball and i don't think he has the ability to take a walk he just chooses yeah i'm just not going to he's already Uh, walked once this year which is probably like (laughs) twice what he did last year yeah exactly well okay he only walked 19 times last year that that, let's be fair it wasn't 150 games also right Yikes. Sorry to cut you off, Keith. I just saw that he had already walked. <laughs> he's a he's a he's a younger player, so he he's got one of the most promise of all second basemen. He's got a ton of power with his swing and miss and his inability to take a walk. It just worries me long term what his profile looks like. I like probably to invest in more of a complete player as far as uh, what he can do at the at the plate. So I'm probably looking to sell high on on Odor right now. Wow, we're gonna argue on this one. So last year he ended up having 33 home runs and 14 stolen bases. I could easily see him reproducing those numbers in Texas for let's say the next five years. Um, I don't care if he bats 260. Uh, his career average is 265. Let's call it 250. You give me 250 batting average, 33 home runs, and in 10 stolen bases from second base i will take that to the bank every year well isn't that what harper did last year or was that that was more home runs than harper last year yeah Yeah, that was harper had uh 24 last year or something like that and he also had a yeah like a 240 some wasn't it 240 something batting average 246 something there so that's what i'm saying i mean but he was a first round pick last year i mean odor's not cheap but at the same time he's something that I mean, if you can get those stats and you can pretty much take them to the bank, 
maybe he maybe he regresses and gives you 28 home runs. And then again, like I said, 10 stolen bases. That's something that you don't really see at second base very often, other than um, maybe Altuve with a few more stolen bases on top. Yeah, he's got a good power speed combo. I just I think the home run landscape has changed to the point where I think his value isn't as much as where he's being drafted. Um, which I mean, if he's going to put up the numbers he's putting up this year, that's great. I just think the second base and shortstop is so deep based on the power output by those positions the last year. And it looks like that's going to continue this year based on the home run pace that we're on. I just think his value isn't as much as where he's being drafted. I think it depends on if your league's in that bang average league or an on-base percentage league. I think that there's a major difference in value. There, for, yeah, there's for, definitely a big, absolute, big difference there. Because in an on-base league, he's going to hurt you. Yeah, that, that uh, less than 300 on-base percentage hurts a little worse than the 260 batting average or whatever yeah. it is. All right, so sticking with the hot theme, Chase Headley for New York Yankees, currently hitting 375, two homers, three RBIs, and a stolen base. Are we holding or folding Chase Headley? Did you say Chase Headley? Chase yeah. Headley. Uh, so Chase Headley in 2012 had a stellar year. Every year since then has been a disappointment. And then out of nowhere, he's had a couple of good games. I think I would try to sell high on this guy, so I would fold him. I would fold him also, see if he can get someone or something else for him. Maybe a pair of horses. There There you go. (laughs) Is there any? I know a lot of the players right now are kind of buying into the fly ball revolution. Is there anything, have you guys heard anything as far as a change that he's made that would make him valuable in, in deeper leagues. I haven't, but if he's off to a good start, some of the other players that I'm I'm looking to uh, to add or, or or make trade targets with have made different changes to their swing and they're they're kinda buying into more fly balls. Has anybody heard anything as far as Headley? Well Chase Headley, he's actually had a couple quotes on he's been working to beat the shift this year. A lot of his hits have come from just ground balls right at the shortstop being the shift. I think um, I saw the first game of the year. His first hit of the season was to beat the shift to, to third yeah. base. And I think he bunted his second at bat to, to beat the shift. But, yeah. you know, maybe that helps him with his 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 batting average and some other stuff. But, yeah, I'm going to keep with the group and, and probably bold on this one. Our next player is Matt Kemp. He's currently hitting 500 with two homers and four RBIs. And currently day-to-day. Yes. I did see a report today that he is questionable for Tuesday, so it's not going to require a DL stint. But if you have Matt Kemp right now, are you holding or folding him? I'm actually kind of high on Matt Kemp right now after his uh, switch uh, over to Atlanta last year. He ended up having a pretty good uh, second half of the year. He batted 280, had 12 home runs in only 56 games. I think he is a solid leadership in that clubhouse, and hitting around Freddie Freeman does, definitely doesn't hurt. He's not one to walk a lot. <laughs> Again, I mean, that's yeah, that's one of his downsides. So he can hurt you in on-base percentage leagues, but he's going to bring a lot of RBI potential and home runs there. Uh, a really good counting stats guy for sure. 35 home runs and yeah. 108 RBIs last year. So he's definitely something to keep an eye on. Since 2009, taking away his 2013 season, where he only played around 50 games, he's had at least 23 homers in every season. Consistent power for sure. I'm curious to see what his value is at this point. I think based on, you know, kind of having a rough rough year last year and off to a, a decent start, um, definitely the change in clubhouse. You know, I uh, Phil, you mentioned kind of his leadership in that young clubhouse. I kind of worry about that, honestly. I, I I don't know, man. I think that he had a rough little little stint there in San Diego, you know, with some secondhand knowledge from some of those players. I, I don't think that clubhouse liked him very much. Um, you know, I heard from, from a couple of players that uh, – 
he he kind of carried himself a little bit arrogantly, and maybe he changed that with with Atlanta. But um, maybe he got a little wake up call, and he's gonna you know put a little more. Gonna I don't know. Fly I mean, a maybe he's gonna play, there. Yeah, I, think, I, I, think I don't that, know. I think that's honestly what it is because he's playing better defense as well. So it's something where I think he's actually just trying harder. I think it's something where he consciously made a decision to just be a better person, maybe be a better ball player. It, it just shows on the field at this point. I'm not in the clubhouse, so I don't know anything about that part of it at this point. Um, I did hear different things saying that they did love him in the clubhouse in Atlanta. So, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe like you said, he, the change of scenery was something where he uh, just decided that maybe I was doing things wrong and this is how I need to do something different. Well, we saw how that affected like, uh, you know, different different scenario, but we saw how a change in scenery, scenery worked out for guys like Gene Segura. So if, if it's anything like that, where it's just kind of a fresh start and gets an opportunity to kind of take a new uh, take a new outlook to the to the ballpark, I think uh, I'm, I'm a Matt Kemp, you know, believer. I think he could put up good numbers. I'm just curious what his value is at this point if you were tried to kind of get rid of him based on a, a decent start what what you could get back so i'm probably holding on to him just because if if he's kind of back to to form i think i, I definitely want to keep him on my team yeah he was kind of a buy low option this draft it'd be hard pressed to try to sell that on someone else at this point i think he came into camp like 10 20 pounds lighter even so he came back in shape which would affect his fielding and i mean if he's getting around to the ball a little quicker that's definitely not a bad thing the next player we have the final um hot player right now Yasiel Puig he's hitting 293 three homers five RBIs and had a two home run game against the San Diego Padres are you holding or folding Yasiel Puig fold 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 <laughs> this dude he all right so he's another guy that i just don't really fully understand He's had one good year, and then the next year he had a good half season. I understand he was 22 and 23 when that happened. His career high in home runs is 19. Career high in RBIs, 69. Career high stolen bases is 11. I just don't see – I mean, he scored 92 runs. That's that's decent. There's nothing here that screams great player other than his initial burst on the scene, and everybody just wants him to be that at this point. So you mentioned his career high in home runs, Phil, and, and I ran a poll uh, three days ago, kind of after his initial power output, because I was curious, like, what is it? Is everybody buying into this? What you know, what's the the perception? And so I got uh, about a hundred votes in the poll. Seventy three percent said that he would hit over nineteen home runs. So it was a simple over under: is he going to have a career year in home runs? And seventy three percent said yes. He is one guy that, as you were talking about earlier, they have been talking about it a lot, that he's uh, hitting the fly balls and this and that. He bought into it. He says, fly balls will get me paid or something along those lines. Legitimately, he said some stuff like that. Uh, so, I mean, it, it might be real, but I just don't think the batting average and other things are going to keep up. I think his strikeouts are going to come up. He's another guy that, again, doesn't walk and strikes out quite a bit, so... I don't know. I, I would try to get rid of him quick. So so quick around the horn, just to kind of follow along. How many of you guys think that he's going to be over 19 home runs? No. I would take the over, but barely. I think he gets to 20, but he could have a career year when it comes to a couple of his stats, but I don't think it'll be too impressive. I could see him going 22 homers, 80 RBIs, but... 250 average yeah i'm in the same boat as todd i think it'll be close to that i mean he's not somebody that's going to outpace it by five or six probably not this year the good thing about him is is that he came at a very cheap price 
The problem yeah. is, is that he still has name brand recognition. So in trades, you're not going to be able to get him very easily if you do want him. Uh, but if you do have him, you can get a premium for him. So that's why I say I would sell. That's what I'm thinking. I would sell as well. I mean, based on the perception that I kind of feel in the market right now and his hot start, you know, I, I think it's possible he hits over 19 home runs, but I don't think it's there's a 73% chance that he does. I think it's probably closer to like 50-50. I think he could, right. if, if he hit 12 yeah. home runs, I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, if he does buy into the fly ball revolution and, and hits you know 25 i guess it wouldn't shock me but i don't think there's a, a you know 75 percent chance that he hits over 19 so based on the the market right now i'm thinking i would probably look to sell sell high on tweet now closing up with a couple of players that are on a cold stretch right now carlos gomez for the texas rangers he's currently hitting 136 with a homer and two rbis while gomez finished strong last year with the rangers he did hit 210 with the houston astros striking at, at a 34 percent rate so the question with him is kind of are we getting Texas Ranger Carlos Gomez or Houston Astro Carlos Gomez? Are we folding or holding? I, I want the 2013 and 14 Carlos Gomez instead <laughs> of either of those two. Um, right. Yeah. But the Brewer. Right. So when he was uh, 24 home runs and what is that? About 36 stolen bases on average. Right. I, yeah. I think, I, I think that and 284 average on the dot both years. What I would say is, is I think that his Texas line last year is more in line with his career numbers than uh, or well not his career numbers his good year numbers Uh, so I think I would hope that that would be what it is but I would probably I mean at this point you have to hold on to him because he doesn't have value name brand wise and he also uh, doesn't have any value stat wise so I mean at this point either you're you're dropping him into free agency or you're going to hold on to him for a little bit his stock was so low last year before making that move to Texas. I mean, he was he was available, you know, in, in a ton of leagues last year. You know, right now he's at 82% ownership on on ESPN site, you know, drafted in like the 150 mark. So people kind of bought into his his return. If he doesn't come back, that's going to be a he's got a pretty boomer bust outcome. Um, if I if I drafted him, I'm holding on to him because you paid a 15th, 15th round pick and you're kind of hoping for some put, you know, some output here. He's probably your your third or fourth, you know, uh, outfielder in most leagues if you're playing in a three or a five outfielder league, but you kind of have to hold on to him at this point. I mean, starting the season three for 22, he's got three three games where he went hitless, um, a couple of 0 for 4s, you know, sprinkled in there, no stolen bases. Again, it's 22 at bats. It's the smallest sample size ever, but it you don't like to see it when he had a really rough year last year prior to coming over to Texas. And when he started off the first game of the season with a home run, and I said it was a stolen base because he looked safe on the replay in different angles, but they called him out and didn't actually (laughs) challenge it. So he technically got a caught stealing, but I'm giving him credit for a stolen base because I watched the play happen, and I said immediately that he was safe. (laughs) And the final name that we have is Todd Frazier. Despite hitting 40 homers last year, He's starting the year one for 17. Are we holding or folding Todd Frazier? I think Frazier is another guy where I would probably just have to hold on to at this point because where you drafted him versus his actual value at this point, unless you can get somebody that just believes that his last couple of years were legit. I mean, he trended downward in every, well, not everything. I guess I shouldn't say that. Um, Batting average on base percentage, uh, slugging percentage slightly, um, OPS, different things like that have been trending downward. He had 35 home runs two years ago and 40 home runs last year. So it seems like he's sold out for power, the fly ball revolution, as Keith keeps calling it. And then 
it ended up working for him, but at a 225 batting average is what it ended up becoming. And then 163 strikeouts in 158 games. So I would keep him, like I said, because when you're batting 059, no one wants that. No one's going to just be like, here, let me give you something great for him. <laughs> so I, w- I would probably hold on to him for now. Yeah, career lows last season, strikeouts, BABIB, and average. Quick question for you guys. You're, you're in a ton of leagues. I know I'm in a ton of leagues. Um, does anybody own any Todd Frazier shares? Yikes. You're going to call me out. The two leagues I'm in with you, I own him. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, wow. I was expecting a big goose egg there. No. Nope. So Phil, Phil's the, the Todd Frazier believer. One I had fallen into, I'll say, uh, and the other I think I was trying to price and force on the draft day and got stuck. So mm. such is life, you know. I guess uh, I don't. Is he a notoriously uh, slow starter, or I can't remember. He either starts really slow or starts really hot and has a terrible second half. I can't remember which one he is. Like I kind of think he has a a really bad second half. So I thought yeah. he was a quick starter. Let me uh, pull it up and see. Because I know his final season on the Reds, that was his All Star season, where he won the home run derby, and his second half was brutal. I thought so. he was one of the, the the players that just has just a really really good first half, and then after the All Star break, he kind of falls off. But yeah, Hon- honestly, he's pretty balanced. Home runs, RBIs, batting average—they're all pretty much within a variance. Low of 235, high of 261. Um, low low of 18, I guess, would be July for home runs, and the high would be 29 in June. So okay. there's there's no real rhyme or reason to anything on him, I don't think. All right, let's dig into the mailbag, guys. We got a couple questions here from Mark. Would you rather Kenta Maeda or Tyon? Me personally, I'm a big Jamison Tallion fan. And last season, he had 18 starts, 85 strikeouts, only 17 walks. And he started this season with seven innings, 6K shutout outing. So I'm a big Jamison Tallion fan. And an alarming stat for Kenta Maeda is that last season, his second half, he finished with a 4.25 ERA, which is isn't too brutal, but he's come out of the gate slow this year for 6-3 through his first two starts. So I'm taking Talion between the two. The one thing about Tyon is, is that he actually doesn't strike that many guys out as opposed to some of the other top prospects. Um, his high K rate was like 8.8 in the minors. So don't expect, you know, 200 strikeouts or anything like that. But he does have solid command and control, so he knows where he's throwing the ball. His whip will keep you in um, 1.1, 1.2 range. Um, ERA probably about three and a quarter, three and a half, something like that. So it's definitely a, a serviceable, let's say, three, four, five starting pitcher, which I view as better than Maeda, so I, I would definitely take him. I kind of stayed out of this this range for the most part. I, I took, uh, you know, top guys this year and then waited and waited and waited and took some a bunch of high upside guys, so I... I didn't. I don't have any Maeda or Tyone, uh, but I agree with what you're saying, Phil. He doesn't have the strike and uh, the strikeout stuff necessarily to put up big, big strikeout numbers. He's probably never going to have 200 strikeouts. You know, he may not even have 170 strikeouts. But given you know these two guys, I think the the higher price tag was was Maeda. Um, so I'm, I'm going to stick with Maeda right now. Yeah, I actually own both these guys in our league. So it's a tough choice for you then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hits it. Hits home. All right, on to the second question. We have Quinn. Asking, with the injury this weekend to Gary Sanchez, who is the best replacement to grab on the wire? 
I think Keith and I were talking before the show, and I think we both agree that Sandy Leone is probably going to be uh, the guy that's most available in leagues that would also be the highest upside guy. He had uh, struggled in his minor league career, came up last year, crushed the ball, for lack of a better word, in the second half. And I think he started off pretty hot as well, so kind of picked it up where he left off. And I think coming out of Boston, he, he wasn't known as much of a hitting prospect. They liked the what he did behind the plate, but he's in one of the most powerful offenses in baseball. And so given everyday bats, he's still going to have, you know, he's slated towards the end of that lineup, but given everyday bats, he's still going to put up decent counting numbers. So looks like Sanchez is going to be out for about uh, I think four weeks is, is what I heard. So uh, he'll be back hopefully before uh, before you know it. But yeah, I agree with uh, Phil on, on Leon. Anybody else have some guys? I have a couple other ones. For me, if I was shocked to see Steven Vogt is actually owned in what less than 50 percent of leagues i believe we said uh that's a guy if he's still out there and uh you own gary sanchez or even buster posey who went down today with a possible concussion that'd be a great guy to have fill in yeah they they just actually had a diagnosis today of uh gary sanchez uh four weeks is what he's going to be shut down for so yeah uh, you're you're going to be out for a good chunk of the season i'm glad i got three catchers to start off the year Uh, the other names that are being floated out there, uh, McCann, Brian McCann, if he's available, pretty consistent, probably going to hit 20 home runs this year if you need him for an extended period. Uh, Giovanni Soto, uh, he just kind of went off this weekend, got three home runs, uh, maybe somebody to pick up and kind of float out there, see if he can trade for a better catcher. I don't know if you can find a way to do that, but yeah, Stephen Voigt would be the other one there. Uh, yeah, San- Sandy Leone right now is 35% owned, but just in the last seven days, he's gone up 28%. So I think if you're getting in on him, you got to get in on him now. Weeders is another guy that he's right around 50%, or no, he's at 65% now. Um, vote is still below 50%. Soto's available in almost every league. He's at 3.9. Um, just, just to name off a few guys that are definitely available. Cervelli had a good year a couple of years ago. There's, there's some guys that are available. One of the sleepers, what, what was his name? Tom Murphy that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know he had uh, an injury kind of coming into, into the season. Um, I think it's a hand injury, maybe a fracture. I'm not totally sure, but, uh, he was somebody that a lot of people were high on coming into the season with good power input um, or output. I like both both actual Colorado catchers um, just because they're in Colorado. And if you're going to get everyday bats in Colorado, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could hit 15 home runs. So, um, yeah, I like I like Murphy. He's on DL. I think he's out for another uh, three or four weeks, but a draft and, you know, a stash guy to hold on to. Not going to help you for uh, – you know, for another injury, but uh, I think there's a lot of high upside guys. I mean, if you're not looking for power, looking for on base percentage or average, there's Cervelli, um, you know, like you mentioned, Weeders, Vote, you know, there's James McCann who might be good for power output. Wellington Dar- Castillo in uh, Baltimore's lineup now. Yeah, I actually own um, a, a ton of Travis Darno this year. Yep. Um, I just, I ended up, I waited, waited, waited on catcher and I think I drafted him in like four leagues. So he's off to a, a slow start, but you know, I still believe in Travis Darno as far as uh, you know, he's available in like ninety four percent of leagues. So I think there's guys, you know, it kind of depends on what your league is, is all about and what you're looking for, power or you know, average or just kinda of looking for somebody not to kill you for the next four weeks. So off yeah. off the cuff a little bit, Will Myers just hit for a cycle. What do you guys think of him today? Or this season, oh, I wow. guess. Today I think he did really good. Yes. I think uh, <laughs> 
Yes, I, I think he would have been a good DFS play. No, I was encouraged by Meyer's season last year. I mean, the the speed that he put together along with the power, I think, you know, he kind of came out of, I don't know if came out of nowhere. He was a top prospect going back to, I think, 2013, um, but kind of had a rough stretch there. He's a... Uh, He's the man that's infamous for no batting gloves. So, uh, you know, that's that's good in my book. He seems to be very comfortable at first base. I think that move helped him out offensively, too, not having to play center field. Oh, yeah. definitely. Finally came around. Guys come up, top prospects, have a good rookie season, but kind of disappeared for a couple of years. And If you're looking for yeah. speed at first base, which usually we're not, but there's only really two guys that are going to give you you know, 15-plus steals at first base. It's Goldschmidt and, and Myers. So, yeah. um, you know, if you ended up with him at first base, he's going to give you a little bit of speed as well. Is that what you would set the over-under as? Because for his minor league career, and this goes all the way back to 2010, as you were talking about when he was 19 years old, his, his career high in the minors was 12. Career high in the majors before last year, I think, was 6. I don't, I don't necessarily buy the 28 stolen bases. I think that it's something where anybody can steal 20 bases. All they have to do is want to. I firmly believe that. And Manny Machado proved it the other, what, two years ago? And then last year stole zero. So yep. it, it's I, I wouldn't bank on that. The power's legit. Uh, he did tank in the second half last year, though. It's just something to keep an eye on. I just wanted well, to talk about him for a brief second. In, in, interestingly enough, he kind of came on, and, and you know one of the reporters he was talking to, he mentioned that he, you know, his poor second half was that he got complacent. He said, I got complacent at the plate and I just, you know, I got, I got fat and happy and, and, you know, just kind of slowed down and didn't take my bats with as much intensity as I had in the first half. And so he, I mean, kind of interesting uh, feedback from the player himself that he you wow, know, got that a little takes, complacent. That takes, that takes balls to sell the, uh, the media, to yeah. be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was kind of, inter- you know, that was an interesting approach. But uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously a, a confident kid that he can come out and say, hey, I just uh, didn't perform. And, and uh, you know, hopefully he takes it maybe a little bit uh, more seriously this year and has a, a complete year. Because if he does, he could have just a, a monster season. How how bad would, not to go back, I just have his name still pulled up, but not to go back to Yasiel Puig, but how bad would he get killed if he said something like that? <laughs> ESPN would have a field day. It would be on every yeah. single media outlet for weeks but sorry I, I i go off on my tangents sometimes i'll try stop <laughs> <laughs> well that's the uh, positive of playing baseball in san diego you can say things like that and no one notices right very uh, true 78 and sunny that's all they see <laughs> all right now to our third and final topic of the night keith what about our strong starting starters? I want to talk about a couple of guys. I actually had uh, three guys kind of penciled in that I was excited about, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna probably skip over Brandon Finnegan after his kind of disappointing start with with two innings tonight. Uh, but the two guys that I want to talk about, the first one's Kendall Graveman. I was pretty excited uh, that I picked up him in one of the waivers that ran through last night. I picked him up for. For $7 out of a total $100 in fab, which should give you an idea of, of what uh, you know how much I was excited about picking him up. I needed I need another rotation guy. He's hopefully going to give you 200 innings. Um, he's had two really strong starts. Uh, what do you guys think about Kendall Graveman so far? I'm spying on him. I bought in for a dollar on our first waiver. Man, how did I miss the boat on that? <laughs> Isn't he someone that had a new pitch this spring? Wasn't it like a new slider or cutter or something like that? There we go. So, yeah. Was it sinker? Yeah. He threw, I believe I saw his last start. He was 92% sinker. Yeah, that's unbelievable. And yeah. he picked up towards the end of last year. I think he picked up two or three miles per hour on his fastball. So the, yeah. the fastball velocity uh, addition plus the addition of a sinker that appears to be a pretty dominant pitch. 
I mean, he's just a completely different pitcher. Um, going back to his, his spring stats, I mean, he struck out a lot of guys in spring training, too. Again, spring training stats don't matter, but there it comes a point where if you keep doing it in the regular season, too, you kind of got to look back at the whole body of work and say, this guy's been dominating for, let's say, a month and a half now. Yeah, and they're kind of to back up what you guys were saying, his velocity has been up um, each year over the last three seasons. So he's actually, his velocity now, pitch effects had him at like 94.6, I think, which is the fastest, you know, average forcing velocity that he's had to date. So he's throwing faster and harder than he ever has before, just to kind of counter what what Todd was saying there, um, his last start was 87% of the time he was throwing his horse team, which is is a you know a, a, obviously a good pitch. He's got Houston coming up next week. He's been off two really really good starts. You know his his first start of the season, six innings, six hits, two earned runs, two walks, seven Ks. So, you know, good swing and miss stuff there. He got the win in that one and his last start, seven innings. So he's going pretty deep into games. Only two hits, one earned run, one walk, and five Ks again. So I'm definitely buying into what he's doing. I think he's made an adjustment to what he's throwing. He's relying on his four-seam fastball, and it seems to be making a, a big impact. So I, I'm definitely buying in on what the Graveman's going to be doing. Yeah, actually, uh, his uh, his big pitch that he was working on this spring was his cutter. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. It was like cutter slider. Someone, yeah. Todd. <laughs> it's a it's a little more he needed something that moves on the horizontal plane rather than the vertical and uh, i mean granted Cause his, he's got because he's got the curveball already right right he's got the curveball he's got a change up that moves some and of course the sinker which is his his main pitch there but i mean that cutter coming in four or five miles an hour off from his sinker is just dominating at this point so i i would buy in yeah, and that's what I want to correct myself after after correcting Todd. It was an 80, you know, 87% of the time was the sinker. So that wasn't the four seam. It was the sinker. And he's never thrown that more than, you know, 74% of the time in one of the starts from last year. But, but that usage is just skyrocketing. If you go back to the beginning of last year, he was throwing that just as much as his cutter. His cutter has dropped all the way down to this start was 8% of the time and 87% of the time was the sinker. I don't know if that's sustainable. Uh, but obviously that's a pitch that he's relying more and more on and it seems to be getting him good results. So definitely a step in the right direction. Anything else on Graveman, you guys? Nope. No, no, we're good. Good. Okay. The next guy that I want to talk to um, is a guy that, uh, that I own in a, in a ton of spots. Uh, so I'm pretty encouraged by his, his first, uh, first start of the season was Dylan Bundy. Um, so I made a bold prediction coming into this year that Bundy would be a, a top 25 starter, which is pretty crazy considering, you know, his innings probably are going to limit him to, 150 innings max, kind of like what we talked about with uh, with a guy like you know Honeywell. But uh, one of the things that I saw in this last start is he's been working on a slider that the Orioles weren't allowing him to pitch since like 2012, 2013, before he went down um, with his first injury. So well, with um, it seems like Tommy John there. So yeah, he had Tommy John, and then he had other injuries. So he's been out since 2012 until pretty much two years ago. Yep. But I, I was really encouraged. His start was seven innings, four hits, one earned run, zero walks, which is great to see eight Ks and got the, got the win for the Orioles. So um, he's somebody, 
anybody that uh, he's available in about 50% of leagues from what I can see right now. None of the leagues that I'm in because I own him in all those places. Uh, <laughs> but other leagues, he's uh, he's available in about 50%. So I think he's, he's you know, pick him up. One of the things, he's going to probably be on an innings limit. Like I said, probably about 160 innings is what he's going to get this year. Not going to push him too much further than that. But it's encouraging to see that they've kind of loosened the reins and allowed him to throw, you know, that slider quite a bit. He got uh, one of the things that, that I was most impressed about is he threw it 31% of the time in his last start. And he got 14 swing strikes on that slider in 31% of the time. That is a huge amount of, of swing strikes. So very encouraged if he continues that. I like Dylan Bundy mainly because he seems to be the cheaper option to Kevin Gosman. Uh, Kevin Gosman was the big, a lot of hype before the season. So I was able to get Dylan Bundy in leagues out. Keith didn't steal him in already. Uh, <laughs> off waivers. So that was very excited that I was able to do that. I would see that uh, swing and miss potential go down as the season progresses just due to the fact that it's a brand new pitch for him and people haven't been seeing it as of yet. But as the season progresses, that swing and miss is going to drop probably down to the 20 to 25 range. Um, that's pretty much it for those two guys. Anything else on, on Bundy? No, I, I think we've pretty much touched everything. He came up with a, a small cup of coffee um, back in 2012 whenever he was actually drafted that year came up touched the majors and then ended up going down with surgery at the end of that year he's fought his way back and it's, it's really a good story to see him back and doing so well so early in his career still 24 years old yeah i think uh you know he's got a rough stretch ahead of him he's at boston and then at Toronto in his next two starts. So definitely keep an eye out for what he does in there. But even if he struggles, puts up, you know, three runs in, in each of those and goes, you know, five or six innings, I'm still holding on to him based on, you know, how much he's already relied on that slider and seen, you know, the outcome that he's he's putting up. So I'm I'm looking for opportunities to pick up Bundy in, in all the leagues that I don't own him in um, already. So. All right. Well, pretty informative this week, guys. Any final promotions? Anything you got cooking on the line score? I was actually sitting down uh, yesterday to start writing a piece about the uh, long relief roll and the, uh, the actually like bullpenning, like Brian Kenny calls it. Chris Davinsky, that guy won me my league last week. Sorry to kind of monopolize a little bit of time. This will be my final thought for the day. Guy had 14 strikeouts and eight relief innings last week and vultured a win as well and and, uh, extra endings so ended up winning me a league I'm going to be writing a little bit about him so read up on that you might want to add Archie Bradley to that too due to what he did last week too absolutely yeah there's there's going to be a couple of guys um, in there other than the obvious ones like Batances and Andrew Miller that kind of thing I'm going to I'm going to sprinkle in a few guys that people probably haven't heard about the the one thing that I want to jump in real quick is just say thank you to all you guys out there that are that are listening. This has been a ton of fun just in the kind of the short run that we've been doing this. The feedback that we've gotten has been been really good. So we appreciate you guys downloading, listening, you know, all the feedback that you've given us. So uh, be sure to send us in and tweet uh, tweet at us your, your mailbag questions on Monday and we'll make sure we get you on the show. Yeah, just a reminder, everyone go follow at the line score on Twitter. We'll have obviously between us, we'll have plenty of fantasy baseball and just MLB content throughout the season and this week, especially. All righty. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at fan front office. You can find all of our Twitter handles in the bio, follow us all and the line score and find us on iTunes. Now, if you haven't already, we, you can just search fantasy front office and we're pretty much uh on most places you can use or search your podcasts on so until then we'll catch you next week